0: you're listening to TIP.
1: On today's show, I chat with real estate investor Philip Vincent to talk about his offbeat real estate investing strategy of working with families of seniors. Philip is the CEO of Mom's House, a trusted home buyer network for seniors in transition. Philip and his team work with them and their families in order to offload properties and prepare for new living arrangements. In the world of real estate, we're always looking for creative ways to get leads on new properties. This is one I haven't explored myself yet, but it definitely makes a lot of sense and could be very lucrative. Often, seniors may want to downsize their living arrangements as it's no longer feasible for them to safely live in big houses that require a lot of upkeep or are just expensive. Instead of letting properties fall into disrepair, Phillip's idea is a win-win for both parties. I think this is a new way to generate leads that not a lot of people listening to the show today have thought of. I know I hadn't. So without further delay, let's jump right into today's episode. With Philip Vincent.
0: You're listening to Real Estate Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your host, Robert Leonard, interviews successful investors from various real estate investing niches to help educate you on your real estate investing journey.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Robert Leonard. And with me today, I have Philip Vincent. Welcome to the show, Philip. Thank you for having me. Tell us a bit about your journey into real estate investing and what you're doing with Mom's House.
0: I've been in real estate actually for 21 years. I think I'm one of those guys that kind of did this business backwards. I actually started off in new construction when I was 21 years old. And I worked my way back into wholesaling, where almost everybody I know starts off in wholesaling, hoping that they'll a couple of rentals, get a couple of flips, and then they'll start working their way into new construction. And so I feel like I did this business backwards. The reason why is pretty simple. I didn't like being a contractor. I didn't like the adult babysitting of new construction. I didn't like the timelines. I didn't like working with the cities. You know, I, I, I was a wholesaler at heart the whole time. And it took me a few years to figure that out. With mom's house today, we actually started working with the senior living leads back in 2011. That year we had done six houses and we were kind of looking at stereotypically, what was the similarity between all of those purchases? What was the nuances of the best leads that we'd like to work? And I still tell the story to this day, you know, the mom passed, or the dad passed away eight years ago and mom's been on a fixed income. She's been piddling around the house doing the best she can. She just fell again. And now the adult children are trying to figure out how to give mom the best care. And when they go visit these senior living communities, they find out that the care is not the cheap one. It's always more expensive one. And so almost always, they have 100% equity. They have all the motivation in the world and they need to unlock that equity so they can feel secure and confident that they can pay that new $7,000 a month bill for mom's care.
1: We're experiencing a bit of a recession right now. It hasn't fully hit the real estate market yet, but it's coming. That said, we've experienced a competitive market over the last few years. And that's driven a lot of people to try and look for off-market deals, often using creative strategies like you're doing. So why haven't more people implemented a strategy similar to what you're doing? And explain to us a little bit more about what exactly that strategy is.
0: Why haven't they done it? That's a good question. I've been doing this since 2011. I've liked it so much, I've been keeping it a secret that whole time. I didn't want anybody else to do it. That's how valuable it's been to me. I think what I do is not for the newbie not for the guy just getting into the business. In my training and coaching, I don't actually tell them how to buy a house, right? I hope they already know how to buy a house. It's really more how to work inside that closed off wall of senior living. And what, really what I'm trying to do is show them how to present themselves as a solution for the senior living industry's problem and it takes a lot of trust to do that. And so sometimes like you and I might have a real estate conversation where we don't mind talking about profits and numbers and all this kind of stuff. You don't do that in the senior living world. One of my trainings, she said to me that now that she took the training, she got why I had to create the training was because it was almost like a sensitivity training for the senior living world. And the reason why is there's so many nuances that you can't say. I'll give you a couple. I mean, your listeners want to hear the good stuff, right? It's, they're not called nursing homes. You might call it a nursing home, but in the industry, you don't call it a nursing home because that's kind of a bad word. You don't say the word facility. You say the word community, right? There's like all these things in this space that are kind of like a harder barrier to entry for the regular real estate investor. I think a lot of us, we get so tied up on just doing our spray and pray model of direct mail or pay-per-click, you know, these different models that do work that we don't go out and build these relationships with people that can actually give us ongoing and reoccurring leads. And I think if you knew me well enough, you'd know that I don't like to work that hard. And what I mean by that is I didn't get into real estate to work 200 ringless voicemail leads a day or a month, right? I hate crappy leads. And the older I get, the more I'm just like, I'm going to talk to 12 people a month and buy four houses a month. I don't want to talk to hundreds of people trying to get down to those needles that actually have motivation and equity. I only want to talk to people that have motivation and equity. And from what I found, the senior living industry leads, I didn't call them leads. They're almost like appointments. Like when somebody calls me and says, hey, Phil, can you be at Bob's house at... 2.30 on Tuesday to make them an offer? I'm like, yes, I can be. Like, that's like the meat of what we do for a living, which is try to buy houses and everything else. As you know, if you're in the real estate business, you're really in the marketing business. So do you want to get back on that treadmill once a month and do the spray and pray models of direct mail? That's that's cool. I still do that myself. It's just, these are the best leads. And once you build these relationships, they're ongoing as long as people get old in your town. And I say that with a little bit of tongue in cheek, because I already know the answer, right? There's 10,000 people turning 65 every day. And a crazy stat about that is that seven out of 10 of those people will live in some sort of assisted care before they pass away. So as much as we all love probate leads, that's really three out of the 10 people in the market. I'm talking about seven of the 10 people over the age of 65 will need my service before they pass. This is like a pre-probate deal. It's funny. I never even gave that term pre-probate to it. Like other podcasters have said that to me. And I love it because it is a pre-probate deal. And I think there's a lot of similarities, but these are exponentially better. And the reason why is very simply, let's say you and I are brothers and mom passes away and now it's in probate. Now you and I care about every single dollar the house sells for because it's our inheritance, right? And now the what's in it for me is like, we're trying to get every dollar we can out of it. Where when mom's moving into senior living, I'm not gonna say that the family doesn't care, but here's what they know. If mom gets 84 grand or 87 grand or 92 grand for the house, it kind of doesn't matter because as soon as mom's assets are gone and completely drained, that's when Medicaid kicks in. And so it's more a matter of, like we talked about earlier, with the trust. If you can be a resource for that placement agent, that senior living community, that you can do what you say, not write a contract that has 30 days worth of contingencies in it with the goal to get out of it if you don't wholesale it. There's a lot of bad actors in our space. And you kind of talked about this downturn. I think for me, I've kind of been insulated From the downturn, of course, you know with coronavirus, the bets are still off. We're going to see how the next six months play out. But I think if you've been in this industry long enough, you realize that there's opportunity there, and my value actually goes up because anything that makes it harder to sell on the retail front makes my acquisition more valuable to the family. If it's harder to sell at retail, that's one less option for them, and it makes me more valuable with what I do.
1: So we've kind of gone around what it is. We haven't specifically defined it. We've kind of talked about it from high level. So tell us exactly what it is you're doing, what your strategy is. Walk us through the steps.
0: Okay. So in senior living, there's about five different stakeholders in the industry from the actual senior living communities themselves to real estate agents with SRES designations. There's people that do veterans affair or VA benefits that are big. And my favorite one is placement agents. And I forgot to mention downsizing companies and placement agents. And so Those stakeholders are having conversations with the families at the exact right moment that you and I want to have a conversation with that family. And when you position yourself to those stakeholders as a trustworthy guy who can help that family with their problem and they start to refer to you, it is the best, warmest lead ever because they already trust you. I keep going back to the analogy if me and you are brothers and we decide to use Julie to be our placement agent to find mom her end of life care. Are we're going to let Julie decide on where mom should live based on her needs. We trust that woman with our mother's life. Do you think we're going to go ahead and listen to her when she says, oh, wait, I've got somebody that'll make an offer where you don't have to come in and clean this whole place up and rehab it? The answer is yes. Yes, they will do that. They're the best leads ever because the trust is there. There's way less competition. And you're helping families in their time of need. If you know me, I'm a curious person. I'm always trying to find the source of deals, the best deals. Where are the best deals coming from? And in 2011, I really did stumble upon it and that's why I've been so secretive with it. Now my goal is to kind of have a person to do what I do in St. Louis, but I want them to do it, you know, in their respective cities nationwide.
1: As a seller, why would someone want to go this route over the traditional retail route when that often means they're leaving some equity on the table? What are the obstacles families are facing that makes it more beneficial for them to pass on the traditional route?
0: That's a great question, and you know, so we're talking about that every day. Have you ever heard of a, a guideline called the cost versus value guide? It comes out every year? No. So the cost versus value guide, the 2020 model just came out. And I'll just ask you, if you put a $10,000 deck on your house, how much value did you add to your house?
1: I mean, it's hard to say.
0: No, just your guess. Put a $10,000 deck on your house. What is the value that you added to your house?
1: Less than 10,000 in terms of yeah, sales. Yeah. It's like
0: 7,000. And what's funny about that is everything on the list is that way. For every 10,000 you spend, you get about 6,800 in value. So ask yourself a question, how many dollars do you want to lose? And so if I'll keep going back to it again, if me and you were brothers, you live in Chicago, I live in North Carolina, and mom lives in Wisconsin, the chances of you and I wanting to do a retail sale, keep in mind, we're not talking about like perfectly clean houses, these are the time capsules that need to be updated, right? That generation bought their house in 1973 for 27 grand, and now it's worth 400 grand, That's only in a retail condition. That house is not even close to retail ready. And to answer your question, why would they sell to me? And you said leaving money on the table. I would argue that it's without question. They're not leaving money on the table. They're taking all the risk away in a time when they're not, they're very risk adverse. They're worried about mom's care. If I, as a person who does rehab at scale, can do the rehab at 40 grand and it costs the family 60 grand and it takes them six months, you see how that's the difference between my profit and loss? right? They're the layperson. So imagine trying to get 27 contractors through the house. And of course, you should get three bids on everything. Remember why I got out of new construction? This person, they're putting their mom in senior living. That's not the moment they're thinking about all the things they sell on HGTV and how they're going to get all these kind of get money. They're not trying to spend money to maybe get a few extra dollars. Because we know on the retail end, how many times have you ever done a deal and you rehabbed it and you sold it and you didn't make what you thought, right? It's the same way for the homeowner. They're trying to help mom unlock that equity. If they have the ability to rehab it, then that probably lead doesn't come across my desk, right? I'm really there to help the families that want a fair offer on their house, but they don't want the pain points of the retail sale. Do this, Matthew, and this is in my training. If you started January 1st needing to move mom into senior living, and the cost was sixty five hundred dollars a month, and then you decided to take two months to clean the house out, then another two months to rehab the house, then on month five, you, you have the agent come by and take the pictures and they marketed it really well, and they got it under contract in the first 30 days, and then you went through inspections, and then you got your check, very easily, that could be seven, eight months out. And $6,500 a month times eight months, mom's hole just got bigger, and all that equity out of her house goes right to the sale, when really, they could have probably had that equity in two weeks, instead of doing all that effort. And so remember how we talked earlier, if the family does the rehab themselves, and they milk an extra 15, 20 grand out of the house, They've just helped the state of fill in the blank, not have to pay for mom's care for an extra three months. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Right. And that's the other thing. You know, there's always like four kids, right? So it would be nice to think that the share of the burden of the rehab would be 25, 25, 25, 25. Well, it doesn't work that way. It falls on one of the kids who's going to pay for the rehab. Remember, this family needs money. And now the realtor's is coming in saying, clean this whole place up, which in itself is a huge task. And then they're saying, go ahead and do this whole list of things to get it updated. But that's a lot of work. I mean, guys who are in the business, we know how much work we put into these things. These families at that time are looking for someone who's going to do what they say. And I'm very firm believer in being very transparent with my numbers, meaning I have no problems talking about what I think the house will sell for retail, what the comps say, what my rehab is going to be, because I know I can rehab it at a lesser cost than they can, because we buy 15 houses a month, right? So- I'm at scale where they're just the one off person. And so that scale allows me to buy a lot of houses because I'm not lowballing people, right? It's really based on what the house is.
1: So, are you actually flipping these properties yourself? Are you turning them into rentals? Are you strictly wholesaling them? What is your end strategy with them?
0: When you're at the scale that we are, the answer is all of those things, right? We rehab about 40 houses a year, and the other 150 are wholesaled into our tight knit group of investors that we have in our market.
1: And do you wholesale those because of just capacity and you can't flip more than you're already flipping? I'm
0: going to tell you right now, there's no glory in scaling up rehabbing. That's a hard road to do. You know, 40 a year is a pretty big number to a lot of people, right? To do 200 rehabs a year, we'd have to have 10 or 20 crews running. And we're just happy and content with our three crews that do the 40 deals a year, 40 rehabs.
1: And so how are you even getting these leads? Because when I think about this strategy, it makes a ton of sense as to how it could be valuable and why those leads are so valuable. But how do you identify and say, oh, Deborah down the street is about to move into a senior living facility. I need to go talk to her about potentially acquiring her property. How do you even come up with those leads?
0: Yeah, I don't do it that way. Deborah finds me through those stakeholders in the industry. So those people are having conversations. It's kind of like saying... When you go on Google and you say, I need a haircut, well, you probably need a haircut, right? So when Deborah needs help, she goes talk talks to the single living person. They deliver the bad news for me, right? They say, you know, to move in here, mom, you know, she's got 28 grand in the bank, but it costs 6,500 a month to live here. They know the house is going to need to be sold, right? And so they're the ones saying, have you thought about selling the house? And then that's when those kids get overwhelmed with, like, oh, man, have you seen mom's house? Like the basement's full of my stuff my sister's stuff, life happened. And I'm going to be honest right now, the stuff sometimes is harder than the house sale is because the stuff is the memories, right? And so I position myself as a person that can help with the house and the stuff. And I work with these placement agents because where they place the lady in the community is up to them. I'm not trained in that, but I know in that time, she needs to unlock that equity out of the house. And so As a real estate investor, this is what you're looking for that you can add value to that needs to sell and they have all the equity in the world. So that is, to me, the perfect real estate lead.
1: How are you partnering with those senior care communities to generate the leads and what is the benefit for them for working with you?
0: Great question. So the term partnership, in my mind, means we're exchanging money. That's not the way it works. You got to look at it from each one of those five people that I named off those different stakeholders. Everyone in life cares about what's in it for them. And each one of them is very different, but it always comes back to, can we help them with their goal? The senior world is not about money. It's all about care, 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 care. If you don't care about people, this is not right for you. If you care about people and understand how to unlock what their true needs are and make their life easier, then you can solve issues. Let's just talk about like the placement agency. They get paid on placing people. And what stops them from getting their paycheck is the ability to place them they can't place the person until they have the money to place them. So sometimes the holdup is the house. And if I can close in two weeks, or the other option is six months, which one do you think the placement agent would rather have? Would they rather have their money in two weeks or six months? Right. I'm solving a problem for the placement agent. By the way, if you like numbers, you'll love all this. The average stay at a senior living community is like 856 days. It's like two and a half years. That's the average stay. So liken it to like an apartment building. If you're only going to be there 858 days, anything you can do to add days and months onto the front end makes that person more valuable to you, the senior living community. So I don't pay them a penny for the referral. What I'm doing is helping them with one of their biggest problems, which is that pain point of treating that house into decay for that expensive care. And that's what I train people on is when you position yourself as a problem solver for their life, they're going to love to call you because you're helping them speed things up or move things along and you're making their life better. In turn, we get to buy the houses that we want to buy.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what I expected the biggest benefit for them to be was is you're cutting that lead time down, is like you said, you explained, is six to eight months if they have to rehab that property and then sell it retail. Whereas they go through your model, they're able to have it in two to four weeks, which is significantly quicker than, you know, the alternative.
0: I see the weight get lifted off their shoulders. The kids, you know, the adult children. Like they're just like, Oh, thank goodness, I know how I'm gonna pay for this now.
1: So it's going to vary, of course, from deal to deal. But in general, when you're buying a deal this way, how much equity are you able to have in the property right from the purchase?
0: I don't know if I've ever looked at it that way. As far as a percentage goes, you mean? Yeah. You know, I talk to investors nationwide, and the lowest I hear is profit per deal is ten thousand. And I heard a guy in Lakes, uh, Utah. He said his average profit is eighty five thousand per deal. So. I mean, we're on the low end. We're only in St. Louis, and our average profit is about fifteen thousand. I guess I could extrapolate that against the average cost per acquisition, but I don't. You know what I mean? I don't look at it as a percentage. I just look at it as what we make when it's all said and done at the end.
1: And since you're acquiring these properties by working with the communities, do you have a cost for that lead? And if so, what is your average cost per lead?
0: I can't stress the beauty of what we're talking about today. Is I can show you how to do twenty to forty deals a year in your market and have zero marketing cost. We make this business so damn hard, and there doesn't need to be. I talk to find the people that have the clients that you want, and you're going to help them with their business, and in turn, that helps you with your, you know, you to buy more houses. I think we've gotten stuck to the teat of direct mail, which is losing its value every day because there's 37 other competitors. Of course, right now they're in the reset maybe it's not 37, maybe it's 17 investors sending postcards. But you you get my point. I'm fishing in a pond where there's way less fishermen.
1: So throughout this conversation, we're talking about partnering with the communities. One of the first thing that pops in my head is, how do you get them to understand what's going on? Real estate really... It's not super complicated. I know that. And a lot of people listening to the show know that. But first, if you're going to someone, and I don't even know necessarily who you'd reach out to at the community, maybe you could tell us that. But how do you t- explain to them what you're doing and how that benefits them without making it sound so complex that it just initially or just right away turns them off?
0: It's not complex. Your listeners right now, they should get a pen on I'm going to give you guys a $100,000 sentence if you guys want to write it down. I ask a question. I say, do you ever have a situation where they want to move mom in, but they can't until they get the house sold? And they will laugh every time. They're like, yes, Philip, I've got a whole drawer full of them, right? It's sitting over here. They know they have the problem. And if you ask the right questions to the right person in the right community, you don't have to sell them. You don't have to get complicated. They know you're the guy that solves that problem. And sometimes if you find out, oh, we already worked with the realtor, that just means they don't trust me yet or they don't know me yet to trust me. Working with the realtor is great. That means they've acknowledged that they have a problem, that they know that they need to help get this house sold, right? And I ever say, you ever have a situation where it takes longer to sell than they thought? They laugh again. Yes, Phil, every damn time. Exactly. And by the way, did we already mention how senior living communities get paid? It's based on having occupancy. So if I can turn that to be three four months is that senior living community with the same client that they were going to get just without the delays, the pain points in the middle. By the way, your questions are phenomenal because everything you're asking is what I'm teaching step-by-step on how to do in your market. Who to talk to, what scripts to say, how to say it, how to position yourself as, and I'll just tell you, I don't want them to think of you as an investor. I don't want them to think of you as a realtor. Those two things, as soon as they hear those two things, they're going to think you take advantage of grandma. If you tell somebody at a dinner party you're a realtor, their brain just turned off because with our crack brains, we know what a realtor does. We don't care. We know what a realtor does, right? It's not interesting. Don't position yourself as a realtor because now you're like everyone else. You are a person that solves the senior living need. And when you do it the right way, they get it and then they happily refer to
1: That was exactly what I was going to ask. Do you see people who you're speaking with at the community feeling like almost like they don't want to trust you because they think you're going to take advantage of them, the situation, grandma, whoever? Just It seems to me like if, if they don't understand real estate and what you're actually trying to do, that could seem like you're trying to take advantage of them.
0: You never want that to happen. If they think at all that that is your goal, that you're not there to help, they'll never refer to you. So what I teach them how to do is unlock their brains So they don't look at you as an investor who's there to take advantage of anyone. Just like with any house we buy, we buy at our certain levels of whatever discount. We factor in all of our things on any purchase we have. By the way, people have been working these leads all along. They just haven't realized they've been working senior living, right? The adult children of seniors is the person that takes over for mom when she can't take care of herself anymore. And so I'm from St. Louis. I like my baseball references. I need an at-bat as soon as that senior living person gives me a chance, I'm going to go out to that family. I'm going to give them all the information I can. I'm going to give them all the best, meaning even if I don't buy the house, they're going to go back and report to that senior living community that Phil was there to help them, right? That's my goal because I know I'm on stage at that moment to make sure that they know that my best interest is, think about this. If you run a $100 million senior living community, do you think it's a big deal who you refer something like this to? Without question, it is, right? They're not just going to do that with any Yellow sign guy on the side of the road, right? You need to have a track record. You need to be able to talk that you have experience. Like I keep saying, this is not for rookies. These are for people that understand our business and have the wherewithal to write a contract. They know how to buy a house. They're not worried about where they're going to get their financing. This is not their first rodeo. This is made for people business full time.
1: So when you're reaching out to these senior care communities, who are you talking to to even get this process rolling?
0: Great question. It depends on what type of community it is. If it's a Medicaid facility, or I said the wrong word, facility, it's a community. If they're part of a Medicaid, they don't have private pay, so they won't have a finance director. If it's a private pay community, they will have a finance director. Some will have a social media director. Some will have a marketing director. It all depends on the size and scale of the community that you're speaking with. Every one of them will have an admissions director. That's always a good place to start. People, when they hear what I do on the surface in their brains, they go, hey, there's a new senior living community going up right near me. I'm going to walk in there and make a relationship. And I'm telling you right now, that is not the way to do it. Because they're, I liken them to a school principal, right? They're putting out 140 fires a day. They're dealing with 140 different families. They're trying to keep everybody happy. They're not there to be sold at that moment. And so what I teach is ways to find them off-campus, off-site, when they're in their element and want to learn more. Just like in our real estate business, how you can network every night of the week if you wanted to. In senior living, it's the same way. And I teach you how to find those people at the right time.
1: So give us a few of those steps. How do you go about finding someone at the right time?
0: Networking is how I do it. So we go out and we make relationships just like... You talked about earlier, they don't trust me yet. It's kind of like when you deal with any other new investor or wholesaler, you don't know that person until you know them. right? And so you have to have some camaraderie together. You have to go out and break bread together. I don't mind getting coffee, having happy hours, and going to these networking events. And once they see you enough times, they realize that, okay, this person's in the senior living world, just like we know we're in the real estate world, That you have to like get indoctrinated into the senior world. And you do that by being around, right? 90% is showing up and everybody likes to t- talk about real estate. So when you're in the networking world inside senior living, some guys will sell ramps, some guys will sell sand up showers, some guys sell incontinence products, but you're the guy that gets to talk about real estate. And everybody likes to talk about real estate. And everyone, if you ask the right questions, will relate to what you're saying, because they've either just gone through it with a parent, they're going through it themselves, or their friends' friends are going through the situation. And so it's really easy to talk about what we do. And if you position it the right way, they are happy to call you and give you a chance to come out and make those ads as offers. And that's what I'm looking for always.
1: Is this exclusively the only strategy you're using, or are you still using some other strategies as well?
0: Oh, no. We're a big company. So we do all of the marketing efforts. I mean, we do pay per click, direct mail, all of it. I know what it costs to make the phone ring, right? The reason why the senior living leaves are so much better is there's no cost to them, right? So if you can build just 20 relationships in this industry, you could literally 20 to 40 deals a year now and next year and next year and next year. That's the coolest thing about this is that. As long as you're still buying houses and they're still in the senior world, you're going to have reoccurring leads and you don't have to start over at zero every time you do a new direct mail campaign or something, right? You're only as good as your last cent. And with this, I'm talking about building relationships with people that are in the industry. Now you become a resource for them. And when you do it right, you're going to build friendships out of this, you know?
1: We've talked about how this isn't necessarily the best way for a new investor to start or use the strategy. So at what point do you think someone is ready? You know, I know it's probably a lot of based on education and their confidence and where they're at in terms of knowledge, but how would you explain that to someone and how would you get them to feel confident that now I'm at the point where I'm ready to implement this?
0: I'm not going to teach you how to write a contract, right? And I'm not going to teach you how to find financing for that. I'm not going to teach you your exit strategy. I'm going to teach you how to permeate the senior living world and how to make a difference in that world. If I need to teach you all those other things, then that's the litmus test for if you're right for this. You know, a lot of guys are doing five to 15 deals a year and they want to get to that 20, 30, 40, 50 deals a year. I think that's the perfect guy for this. On the small end, really what I'm made for is anybody doing 30 plus deals a year. If your company is doing three or four a month and you want to get to six or seven a month, you know, this is a great strategy to implement in your business. And by the way, I shouldn't say it's not for newbies. But my point is is that I'm not gonna teach you how to write a contract, right? I don't have time for that. I'm trying to find higher level people that have already been in this business for a while where this is their full time job.
1: Yeah, it's not that the strategy itself is super difficult or can't be done by newbies, but it's just that everything else that goes along with a real estate deal isn't included in that process.
0: And let me go deeper on that. If you just started off and you've only bought three houses, you're gonna have a hard time going to a finance director of a hundred million dollar community. And talking with any type of confidence that you have the ability to close. You follow me, right? My track records—I am trustworthy. You know what I mean. If you don't have that, if you have to fake that, you're in trouble, right? If you're there trying to build trust. The last thing you want them to think is you just started doing this.
1: So you said you're using other strategies. What would you recommend for a new investor who hasn't quite worked up to the point of this senior care community type strategy? Where should they start? Are
0: we talking budget or no budget? Small budget. For me, even inside of my senior living, what I'm preaching is right way. And I always believe in action takers. I've met guys that years ago, that took a ton of action. I thought that guy's going to be successful. And they ended up being successful because they were taking action. And so sometimes we can all get analysis paralysis. I've got friends in the direct mail business that say 90% of the time a guy comes in and does one mailing, doesn't get the result he wants and turns it off. Right. And so... You have to know that you're in the marketing business. And whether you want to pay for that monthly reoccurring on on direct mail, pay per click, and all these other strategies, or do you want to go out and build relationships, whether it's with agents or in the senior thing? You're going to have to work at this. We all want the magic bullet, the magic pill. It doesn't exist. So pick your lane. Are you going to go out and build relationships, or are you going to go pay for it? Either one you have to pick. And so, the real estate agent you know, and say, what do you do with your houses that you don't want to put your name on? that way. That's free. You can throw that out on Facebook tonight and I am guarantee you have real estate agents in your Facebook feed.
1: So when someone's done listening to this episode, what is the first step that they should take to take their real estate business to the next level? What is the first strategy that you'd recommend they implement?
0: With Mom's House, it would just be to go to the dump, you know the momshouse.com is what I'd like for them to do. There's plenty of things online about why this strategy works and a little deeper about how it works. These podcasts have been great for me to reach people and I'm really excited about the kind of quality of people that call me from this. They say I have this calling to help others before they say I can't wait to make a ton of money, right? And then I'm like, okay, good. I've got this is why I'm doing this, right? This is for somebody that it's almost like the anti-iron buyer model. This is more hugs and kisses. This is not so dry transactional. There's more to helping these people at this time. And so, if you want to grow your business from the Stuck on the treadmill of direct mail marketing and want to grow into something where you can do 20 to 40 deals a year in your market with no marketing budget. I want to teach people how to do that. And so all you got to do is just go to momshouse.com.
1: Well, Philip, I've enjoyed our conversation. I know this is a new strategy for me. I hadn't looked into it myself. I'm not doing quite the volume that you are in terms of deals, but it's still a strategy that I'm going to look into implementing myself in my business, see if I can't get a couple more rentals this year using this. For everyone that's interested and would like to connect with you further, where's the best place for them to go?
0: Mom'sHouse And by the way, your questions were perfect. I mean, I liked how you already kind of saw through some of the where the issues are going to be, the pain points, right? I mean, I'm trying to teach you that I was that guy in 2011 who thought I was just going to walk into senior living and put my hand out and make relationships. And because of my bravado, I worked my way past all of that. What I'm trying to show you and anyone listening is not how to make all those boo boos along the way and really do some damage right away involved. I teach you how to ask for a referral right there in your first time talking to these stakeholders. I want you to ask for, are you working with someone like that right now? Almost always the answer is yes. I just talked to Fred last week and his family needs to do this. And like these families need our service. And so you get to feel good. You get to buy great houses that need to be updated. For me, that's very fulfilling. So I appreciate you having me on. MomsHouse.com is a great place to start if they want to Reach out and I'll be happy to talk to anybody that listens.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I love learning from other people's, not necessarily mistakes, but things that other people have done in the past that haven't worked for them, as well as their mistakes, implementing that in my business myself, as well as helping the audience do the same. So, Philip, thanks so much. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes so everybody listening today can go check that out there. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you. All right, guys. That's all I had for this week's episode of Real Estate Investing. I'll see you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to the InvestorsPodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network.
1: Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. <laughs>